Hello, and welcome to The Shining Light, where we are shining the light of the gospel and speaking the truth in love, providing strength, and stirring the hearts of our listeners. We are so glad to have you joining us today as you listen to this message from Pastor Tim Cruz. I've been thinking this week of October 30th, 2001. It was my 39th birthday, and a team of men from our church, we were in New York City there in Times Square giving out gospel tracts to people who came by. But that evening as we were taking a ferry boat back over to our van where we had parked it, uh, we just looked at the city in the distance as we were there in New York Harbor and uh, all the different things that we would taken in during the day. This is when we were in Little Italy. How many of you have been there in New York City, Little Italy? And uh, we had a great time there. But uh, as we were coming back across, I thought about the events of that night. President George Bush was in Yankee Stadium throwing out the first pitch in the World Series. Now remember, this is just some weeks after 9-11. People's hearts were open. They were tender toward the gospel, very receptive. Michael Jordan was making his debut back in the NBA that night in Madison Square Garden. It was a night for the ages, fighter jets flying above to set guard and watch over the city. And yet as I saw the glow of that iconic place that night, I remember looking at my older three boys and saying, of all the things that is happening in New York City tonight, eternity will reveal that the most important thing that happened on this day, October 30th, 2001, is when the gospel of Jesus Christ was given out and there were those who trusted him by faith as Savior. That's what eternity will reveal, that people came face to face with the fact that they could know the God who made them. They could know their sins are forgiven. They could know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. They can have that knowledge. I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of 1 John. We're looking here today in 1 John chapter 5. And you're going to find, we'll read the scriptures together in just a moment, but you'll find the word know some 22 times in this just five chapters, this small book of the Bible. And it's this knowledge we have of Jesus Christ a knowledge of salvation, but then a knowledge that we can grow in and uh, we can become more understanding with a specific, accurate knowledge that is gained from firsthand study and experience, growth in intimacy through the Word of God and fellowship with Christ in prayer. I think of this, and I think about how God wants to teach us this gnosis, knowledge of Himself. This gnoso, this knowledge that gives us the salvation understanding by grace through faith in Christ and this epigenoso, this growing in knowledge of our Savior. I want to know him more fully, don't you? But you got to know him first. To know him is to want to know him further and more fully. That is God's heart toward you and me. Let's stand together. 1 John chapter 5, and we're going to read some verses here. 
1 John chapter 5. Let's read aloud verses 12 through 15. He that hath a son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Thank you. You may be seated. Notice the words know here. Something we can have assurance in. In an ever-changing, uncertain world, it is good to know that you can know the God who made you. That you can know your sins are forgiven. That you can know him more fully that he hears you when you pray and he answers your prayers. I think of this confidence in verse 14 and this is the confidence that we have in him. This is a confidence to speak openly and freely with the Lord. This is what it represents here. A confidence in facing him, in being face to face with him. A confidence in his appearing according to chapter 2 and verse 28. A confidence in the day of judgment according to chapter 4 and verse 17. And it's also a confidence in relation to prayer, not only here in 514, but in 321. We have confidence in God that he hears us and we can speak openly and honestly with him. And he welcomes us into his very presence. We have an audience with the true and living God of heaven. Oh, what a confidence we have in the Lord and in the promise and the power of his word. I think about this and what God wants us to understand. Hold your place, but go back to Hebrews chapter 4. I want you to see a verse here. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16. Notice what the Bible says. Let us therefore come how? Boldly, with great confidence, outspokenness, full and free assurance unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You're looking for grace this morning? You can find it before God's throne in prayer by faith, confident that the God of heaven not only invites you to come, but he welcomed you. He listens to you. He hears you when you pray. Do you believe that? In essence, God is saying here, talk to me. You ever been with someone like that and they were kind of reticent to say anything or open up and it's like, hey, come on, talk to me. Tell me what's going on. Tell me what you're thinking. Tell me what you're feeling. Come on, talk to me. You ever had to try to get it out of someone? In essence, that's what God is saying to you and me. Talk to me. Tell me about it. You don't have to come in a way to try to impress God. You don't have to come with uh, a certain uh, approach uh, that says, Lord, I hope you're impressed with me. No, we come with the approach of humility. Lord, I'm nothing, and I know it. But also know that you're everything. And you're all I need. 
I have confidence in you, Lord. I want to be able to talk to you, yes, and I want to trust you with my whole heart. Back here in 1 John chapter 5, notice this. God says you can have confidence in, in him. You can have confidence in the promise of his word. Number one, by knowing Christ as your personal Savior, as your Savior. The Bible says in verse 12, He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. There's no life, no life eternal, no forgiveness of sin apart from Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. This is the record that God has given us. This sure recording, this accounting of who God is and what God says according to verse 11. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life and this life is in his son. Not your way. It's not my way. It's not our church's way versus another church's way. This is God's way. There is one way, one path, one Savior, one hope of heaven. Do you know him today? Do you have that assurance in your heart that Christ is your Savior? Think about it. You say, well, I've asked the Lord to save me. I've asked God to forgive me of my sin. I believe Jesus died for me and rose again. But can I know that I'm saved? Can I know for sure that heaven is my home? Go back to chapter 1. I want you to see this. 1 John chapter 1. This is powerful here. Verse 5, this then is the message. Do you see that? The message that we need, which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is what? No darkness at all. God is light. The light that you need, the light of the gospel is shining into your heart today. Won't you trust Christ and in him alone? Not what you've done for God, what you're doing for God, but for what God has done for you in Jesus Christ. The just for the unjust. Jesus Christ died for me. That's what Charles Spurgeon said all of his theology came down to. Christ died for me. I had a great, great sin. But I found an even greater Savior. For where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. You can have confidence in God by knowing Christ as your personal Savior. Number two, by knowing that you have eternal life. How can I know this? Verse 13, these things have I written unto you. Think about it. The written record, God's testimony. Unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. What is belief? Taking God at his word. Trusting this is what God says. I'm going to do what God says if I will call upon him in faith. Believing Christ died for me and rose again. He'll not only save me, but he'll forgive me. And I will have in that moment eternal life. 
Do you realize that eternal life is not something you're going to get one day? It's something you already have if you've trusted Christ as your Savior. Eternal life is a present possession. I'm already eternally saved. You say, well, how can you know that? Uh, what, what if things change between here and home? I remember growing up, I was taught that uh, you could be saved and then you could turn aside and, and uh, if you sinned, then you wouldn't go to heaven if you didn't confess that sin before you died. And so I was going to the altar when our family was in church all the time. All the time I was going to the altar and, and I was asking the Lord to save me. And I had to grow in the Lord and the understanding of his word because the Bible says here, you can know you have eternal life, not in that day, but in this day right here and right now. You can know you're saved. I thought, how can I know that? How can I have assurance of salvation, Lord? And God gave me that assurance because I understood that if I had to keep myself saved, in the end, I would be my own Savior and not Jesus Christ. And I thought, well, I can't save myself. If I can't save myself, I can't keep myself. Because the Bible says that God not only saves us, but God keeps us because we are kept by the power of God. I believe that, don't you? I thought, well, I'm just going to take God at his word. I'm going to believe God and do what he says, and I'm going to put my faith in Jesus Christ. I'm going to say, Lord, according to the Bible, according to your word, which is eternal and forever settled in heaven, you said if I would call upon you, believing Christ died for me and rose again, you'd save me and forgive me. That's what I've done. And Lord, I'm trusting you to do what you said. And I settled it right then and there. I didn't save myself. I don't keep myself saved. Christ is my Savior. Can you say that today? Jesus Christ is my personal Savior. Will you simply take God at his word? You can have confidence in God by knowing Christ as your Savior, by knowing that you have eternal life right here, right now. It's a gift of God, a gift. All you have to do is receive it by faith. God gives it to us freely. And then number three, by knowing that God hears and answers your prayer. One writer declared, every prayer believer prays is answered. There are at least four possible answers from God. God's answer might be yes because it is his will. That's what is referred to here in this text. And this is the confidence we have in him, verse 14, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Now, God has not given us a blanket, name it and claim it, just whatever you ask for, I'm going to give you anything. No, we pray according to his will. That's a mature faith. A mature faith knows what God says, what God promises. We believe God for what he's already promised. We ask him to simply do what he said he would do. But then there are other things that God puts in our hearts to believe him for. We trust him with that. But we always end the prayer with the words of our Savior. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. God's answer might be yes, because it's his will God's answer might be no because it's not his will. 
His answer might be no, not that, because he has something else in mind, something better. Finally, his answer might be yes, but not now. If you pray and nothing happens, that's God's answer. If you pray and something happens later than you desired, that's God's answer. If you pray and something different happens, that too is God's answer. Maturing prayer means that we confidently bring our request to God and trust him fully with the answer. Because God does hear the prayers of his children. I was out walking this morning and I was praying and I was thinking about this passage. And I was just kind of meditating. I thought, well, wait a minute. Maybe I need to be talking to the Lord right now because I know he hears me. He's going to listen to what I'm saying. Is that not where many of us are when we pray or maybe why we're not praying? We're just not sure if God's even listening. If God is even there, concerned about where we're at. Sometimes is it that we don't pray until we feel like we're stirred up or we're really close to God and we deserve an audience with God. Why don't we just simply take God at his word and start talking to him? Start telling him our heart. Freely, openly. This word confidence here uh, comes from a word that had the thought in the day about political speech. Those who would just speak up and they would speak out and they would declare where they were freely. David said in the book of Psalms, I poured my complaint out to the Lord. When's the last time you got along with God? It's easy to complain to one another, right? Oh, this and that and the other. And I believe this with all of my heart. There are people that know the Lord and deep down love the Lord, but they're not in the Lord's house today. Why? Because someone or something in a church somewhere disappointed them. People will disappoint, but the Lord will never disappoint. I find no fault in him, Pilate declared. And he's not guilty in any way of causing us to stumble. There's something we must be missing if that's where we're at. Lord, teach me to pray. Teach me to trust you. Teach me to rest in you and not live a life of anxiety. The Bible says, be careful, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. He still says, ask and ye shall receive, right? Knock and the door shall be open unto you. Seek and ye shall find. Is he not invited? What would happen if more of us would simply believe God? This is the confidence we have. We can pray and God will listen to us. And God will not only hear our prayer, but God will answer our prayer. We don't know always what the answer is, but we need to understand there is an answer. Yes or no or not now or not just like that. There is a plan that God has for each of our lives and we can rest in him. Lord, I trust you for your will. Thy will be done. You know, I've, I think about how the Lord is teaching me still after all these years. I, I think more of us, if we learn to seek God and walk with God, it revolutionizes not only our lives and our homes, but our church. Don't you believe that? 
there's a lot of people, they're just kind of going through the motions. They're religious people. They mean well. They, quote, believe God. But let's just be honest, they just don't pray. There's a lot of church members who just don't cultivate and develop a, work, a walk with God in the work that God has given them. We do it in our own wisdom, our own strength, our own ability. And then sometimes we wonder, well, what's going on? I wonder what God has allowed in your life today that is bringing you to a place to where you not just need to seek him, but you must seek him. You need his mind. You need his guidance. You need his wisdom in some area of your life. I remember praying the other day. It was such a simple thing, but yet profound. I was dealing with a warranty issue. Anybody ever had to deal with a warranty issue? How many of you know that can be no fun, all right? Not at all. And here this guy was telling me, you know, I'm sorry I hadn't got back with you. I've been out sick, extended sick. I said, well, I'm glad you're feeling better, you know. I'm glad you're back. And then right after that, I'm sorry I hadn't got back with you. I've been on vacation. I think, well, wait, you're out for a a month sick, and then you turn around and went on vacation. And, uh, And then he says, and it was every reason in the world it seemed to kind of push me off. But I knew I was clearly still under warranty, and I thought, well, maybe I need to email him back and just say, are we at the point to where my attorney will contact you? That's where I was, all right? That's where I was. I thought, now, hey, I've been getting this run around for too long. It's time to just take it to another level. And I thought, wait, let me pray. I said, Lord, give me wisdom what to do here. It's like the Lord just opened my understanding and said, he has not openly demonstrated to you that he's dealing with you in bad faith. Try one more time and appeal to him and ask him if he would follow through and get this done. And I very respectfully and very humbly ask him, would you just please get this done? Two days later, he emailed me back and said, got it all ready, got it all lined up. I'll send you an email when it ships. It's taken care of. It's like the Lord taught me. He taught me. There are a lot of well-meaning, sincere people out here. Maybe sometimes the circumstances of life you don't know anything about, I don't know anything about. We would do well and be wise to deal with them in good faith until they show us and tell us clearly, I'm not going to deal with you in good faith. I'm not going to do what I said I would do. We will not honor that commitment we made. Isn't our pride sometimes that overrides that and says, you know what, I want to make a point here. That's your pride. God deliver us from our own pride. Isn't that right? Because God, what does he do to the proud? He resists the proud. But what does he do to the humble? He gives them grace. He gives them grace. And some of us here today, if we don't pray about whatever is confronting us today, in this moment, we're going to make a mess of something. And some of us, we're going to be totally justified in our minds of making a mess because of our pride. When we should humble ourselves and say, God, give me wisdom. Show me what to do here, Lord. God, I want to honor you in this. And God always says, if you will honor me, I will do what? 
I will honor you. God will honor you if you will honor him. I think about Jeremiah 18 and verse 8. Well, the Bible says that at what instant, think about this, at what instant when I have purposed to chasten a nation for their sin, if they will turn to me from their sin, I will turn away from the chastisement that I had purposed to mete out to them. God doesn't change his mind, but God responds to our response to him. And to the froward thou will show thyself froward. The way you treat others is the way God's going to treat you. That's what he says. Unto the merciful thou will show thyself merciful. God responds to your response and mine to him and what he says. Are you willing to humble yourself? You can see that there under number three in your notes. You have more to do with the outcome of your life than you think. You remember in Lot's day, they brought it all the way down. If I find 10 righteous, if I find 10, I'll spare the city. Some of us think we're just at the mercy of fate, honestly. Why don't you put the true word in there? You say, well, no, I'm at the mercy of God. No, really, you think you're at the mercy of fate because you think whatever will be, will be. Prayer doesn't matter. Unbelief, disobedience right there. See, I preached on prayer last Sunday about if my people which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and what? Pray. You know, we don't pray. We're too far gone. It's the last days. Don't you know Jesus is coming back? I mean, wow. What you just said is I don't believe what God said. I'm looking at the circumstances and I'm telling you what the circumstances of life are saying and you let that prevail upon what God is saying. Now, I don't know when the Lord's coming back. I believe he's coming back soon. I believe it could be right now. Do you believe that? In fact, it would be wonderful if he came back right now. For me, I'd love to be with the Lord this day even. I'll tell you what. Churches are not praying. Christians are not praying. Families are not praying. Why? Well, we think it's the last days. So now we're excused to kind of check out, be mildly religious, do our lip service, and then pursue our own lives, our own comfort, our own convenience. Got a good job, got good money. I'm going to live for myself because the rapture is going to take place any day. I'll get all I can out of this world, and then one day it's over. No wonder the churches, so many of them in our country, stall out, lose heart, and become just truly disobedient and yet they're the last ones to see it because they have this form of godliness. But they've left off the power of God through prayer. Remember Isaiah 37? The Assyrians had come against the people of God they said, it's over. We've conquered every other nation and their gods were no gods. And your God will be just like these. Hezekiah took the threatenings of Sennacherib, 
before the Lord in the house of God and he laid them out, spread them out there and cried out to the true and living God of heaven and said, God, would you intervene on our behalf? And the Bible says in the book of Isaiah, just underline it or mark it here. And I want you to read this, I hope at some other time this week. Verse 21, wherein thou hast prayed to me. Because you ask, here's what I'm going to do. Wow. He could have said, well, we're God's people. If God wants to deliver us, he will. If not, he won't. Let's just eat supper. What's, what's on the menu? Why are we not praying? Is it not our own true unbelief? Why have we lost confidence in God and in the promise of his word? Why are we not calling unto God, crying out to God, why are we not a praying people? Why are we not desiring to know him more fully? Oh, to grow in him and discover not just who he is, but what we have in him. Oh, the joys and the glories of this so great salvation. Even the fellowship of his sufferings entering into him where he's real to us, come what may. There's a peace, there's a grace, there's a joy. Oh, listen, that's possible, friend. No matter the ebb and flow of life and its circumstances, the Bible says there in Daniel chapter 4 and verse 27, Daniel to Nebuchadnezzar, if you will humble yourself before God, if you'll, you'll break off your sins by righteousness, you'll stop disobeying God and start obeying God. You'll just simply humble yourself before God and do what he says. It may be a lengthening of thy tranquility. It may, think about it. It may be. If you humble yourself, there's no telling what God will do. Isn't that amazing? Matthew 9, 29, Jesus said, according to your faith, be it unto you. As you have believed, so have I done. The opposite is true. According to your unbelief, so be it unto you. You have more to do with the outcome of your life than you think. You're not just a puppet. You're not just someone here. God says pray, but it's like, you know, I'm kind of not simple. I mean, I don't pray because I'm thinking God is great and he knows everything anyway and he even knows it before I would ask it of him so why ask it because that's what he designed as his means for you to commune in fellowship with him and tap into the riches of his grace and blessing in your life are you confident in that I think about taking hold of the promise of God and just knowing that God is with me, that God is working on my behalf all the way through. That's what he says. If you will seek, you will find. Think of that three-letter word, ask. If God granted your request for what you ask him for this week, what would you be receiving today? Or what would you not be receiving because you just simply didn't ask? You say, well, I've asked and I've asked and, and I'm tired of asking. Well, that's the thought there. That's the tense 
of that verse or that verb there, it's ask and keep on asking. Just keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. Just keep believing God. Don't grow weary in well-doing. Don't just turn aside in unbelief and lose heart and say, you know, I tried that. It just didn't work for me. No, friend. You can have confidence in the Lord that he hears you, that he invites you unto himself, and he does answer your prayers. I've got some prayers that I'm praying right now and I'm believing God for. Some of you may be praying for loved ones. Believe God. Pray for them. Intercede for them. How am I saved? How am I preaching today? How many times have I told you about my great-grandmother? said, I'm praying for those two little cruise boys that God will save them and call them to preach. How did I make it out of what I grew up in? Even the neighborhood I grew up, how did I make it out of there? It's called there's a God in heaven who hears the prayers of his people and someone who interceded on my behalf and God reached down and kept me. He had to keep me, especially Terry, my brother, I'm telling you. He really needed some help. We both needed the Lord. It's a miracle. I promise you it's a miracle. The more I go, the more miraculous it becomes to me. That God saved someone like me. But he saved me not because of what I had done for him. I had done nothing worthy of salvation. But everything I had done was worthy of condemnation. But rather than condemning me, invited me unto himself. I believe Christ died for me and rose again. I asked him to save me. I put my faith in him. He not only saved me, but I've learned that according to his word, as I grow in him, more of what I have in Christ, he keeps me by it. Now it's not a matter of relationship that was established the day I trusted Christ. But now it's a matter of fellowship and communion, drawing close to him. God knows what we need today. We can know Christ as Savior. We can know we have eternal life. And we can know that He hears and answers our prayers. Thank you for listening to The Shining Light. We pray that this time has been a time of encouragement and blessing to you. The Shining Light is a production of Shining Light Baptist Church located at 2541 Old Charlotte Highway in Monroe, North Carolina. If you don't have a church home, we invite you to join us. Service times and more information can be found at our website, www.shininglightmonroe.com. You can also watch our services on Facebook and YouTube and connect with us on social media. Thank you for joining us, and God bless.